Hi, my name is Kevin McDonald, and I'm declaring my independence. Independence from what? Why, negative thoughts and energy, of course. Chief among them, hate, division, and fear. You see, I know that we're all one, and together we can solve any problem, save our planet and each other. Please, join me as we come together as one and choose a better way to be. So now, let's begin with my independence report. And welcome to the show, everybody. Uh, my name is Kevin McDonald, and this is Life Between Lives. This is a series that we are doing. Uh, Natasha's here. Regan's here. And uh, I've got a question. I have to start today. I've got a question for both of you guys that I don't understand, and I need your help from both of your perspectives. First of all, Regan is a, a hypnotherapist. He comes at this from a more documented scientific view. Uh, Natasha is a medium and comes at this from a more spiritual view. And I've got a question for both of you because uh, I, and I know that you guys have heard this and we've talked about it a little bit, but my brother is, has stage four cancer and he is nearing the end of his time here on earth. Oh boy. He called today to say that today was his last day and uh, which may or may not be true. We shall see. Um, but, uh, I had a conversation with my sister and my mother over the weekend and it became a bit of a falling out because, and so this is what I need to understand from your, both of your perspectives of why this is several months ago. Well, back in the, back in the spring, John Edward, the famous, uh, psychic medium came on my show and, uh, he read for my sister. Now, I would like for you guys to understand, first of all, a couple things. I had never met John before. I had never had a conversation with him before. Had a conversation with this publicity guy, but never had a conversation with him. He had no idea who was coming on. He was in New Jersey. I am in Washington State. We've, like I said, never met. He, ha I've never said anything in anything that I've ever put down anywhere about my family history or my sister or anything. So there's no way in the world that he had any of the information. And so my sister comes on and we, John and I talked for a little bit and my sister comes on and, uh, he starts to read her. And he, first of all, he says, there's an, do you, there's a mother type figure coming through. And it was, uh, and she, my mom thought, or my sister thought it was our mom who's still with us, but it wasn't, it was my grandmother who was, oh. who was there and was a real important part. Well, my grandmother brought forward my dad who has also passed. And the, these are the things that, that they, that, that John referenced as far as my sister and because I was sitting there, I and was listening, and I know my sister's history. Obviously, um, we were talking about the same thing. The first thing that my she he said was, "Who died of lung cancer?" Well, my dad died of lung cancer. Who died of stomach cancer? Well, my grandfather died of stomach cancer. Whose name is William? William is my uh, grandfather on the other side. Whose, whose name is Roger living or dead? Or her name is, starts with an R living or dead. And she said, my brother Randy, and he's the one with stage four cancer. 
Um, he, her husband, her husband is also named R. Roger, but she didn't think about her husband anyway. Um, and, and so, and then, so John proceeded to say, "Well, um, why, why is May so special for you?" And she said, "It's because my grandchildren were born in May. My daughter was born in May. I was born in May." And he said, "Well, I'm giving. They're giving you a." Uh, um, um, a signal to just to signify, because this was in April that we did this interview and it was coming up in May. So <clears throat> it was clear that John had a, a reference and an idea of who he was talking to because he was getting information from somewhere. Now, with all of this information and I, we, so we hung up the phone and I called my sister a week or so later. And I said, so do you, because she does not believe, like I believe that what Natasha does is absolutely real and that there are, there is energy out there and that we, there are people on the other side that are able to talk to us. And she refused to believe that. And, and, and to this day, she doesn't know how he does it, doesn't know how he comes up with the information he does. But she discounted the fact, and so this was the conversation we had on Saturday night as we were preparing for my brother to cross over to the other side, which was she doesn't believe that she was actually talking to her father, who is the most important, was the most important person in her life, and he knew all of these things John did coming from her father, and she discounted all of it. I would like somebody, anybody, to please explain to me how all of this could happen and you discount it. I, I, Natasha, I'll start with you. Explain that rationale to me. Well, there's many people in this world that unless they see it, they won't believe it. I don't know why, it's their makeup, it's their chemistry of their brain, it's their whatevers, but they just cannot do it. And, and many of us have a belief system that just, it's so overriding in the, in the labeling. It's been so imprinted. It's almost like um, trying to write with uh, black ink on something that's black. You know, it, the black paper is going to override what you're trying to write. It doesn't work. And so when you get some of those two combinations together, it doesn't really work. And, and you know, I think there's a part of her, and this is what I'm getting intuitively. And, and it's kind of like, you know, like John, like I do, it's kind of like connecting our cell phones. You know, can we text when we even don't have Wi-Fi? Yes, we can. You know, can we, um, how do we call on our cell phone, you know, to someone else when there's no wires? It's called just putting it out in the ethers. You know, it's this one thing reaches another. Well, that's called spirit. And I know that the angels do that too. Why can angels be in more than one place? Well, because their energy, they can, they can, they don't split themselves, but they can sh shift their energy to be in many different places because that's their empowerment, you know? And so with that, that, you know, she in her right mind, when she was talking to you, her humanness was saying, I can't believe this, but I'm getting, and I'm not tapping into her because I didn't get permission, but I'm tapping into her essence of who she is. It's kind of like the aura around someone that that's something that we all radar. You know, it's kind of like, 
you know, it's not necessarily something that, that I go in and read their, their personal notes, but this is just their essence, that there's a part of her that was believing it, but her physical being, her mental being of the physical could not allow herself to do that because that was going to be pushing against everything else that she spoke about, knew about, believed about. It would be going against that. And she in her life cannot go against that because then that means that she's been false her whole life. I know, but still, see, and, and, and Regan, you have a similar problem that you need to yeah. And that is that in Journey of Souls and Destiny of Souls, Dr. Michael Newton, a, a major hypnotherapist, <laughs> takes people into deep hypnosis, can take them into bath lives, can also take them on to the other side, which is life between lives, which I tried to explain during the same conversation that where my brother was going and the steps that he was going to follow and what was going to happen with him on the other side. And nobody was buying any of it, but there are a hundred thousand people that have gone through this. And to a large degree, their experience has been the same. How do you convince people that, that, what the, what you do and what you've been a part of is real. I can't convince them <laughs> because if they've got their, well, like I had a, uh, a past life regression uh, this week and um, uh, I felt, she, you know, I'm watching her body signs and her eyes are rimming. She's totally motionless on the, on the uh, couch and She's having all that she's seeing things, having all the answers to everything. And then uh, just yesterday, she says, I don't, need, I don't really, maybe that wasn't real. I just think I just made it up. And she, she was seeing the things herself. You know, it wasn't somebody saying, oh, I see this and telling her. She was actually seeing there herself. But um, the vast majority of clients that come to me, they're, they're kind of beyond that already. There's been enough, enough things happen in their life that they, they were once maybe that way, but too many things started happening and it started adding up like to your sister, this is probably just one thing that happened that that uh, a few more things kind of happened and like she almost needed to go through today to start her on the road because she'll still be going, well, maybe that was, you know, what? maybe that was dad that was actually talking through him, you know? I mean, <clears throat> what a shame because we know that it really was. And if she's like saying, Dad, I don't believe you're there, even though you're right there talking to me, so I'm not going to pay attention to what you say. How how awful is that when he's, like, right there, you know? How frustrating for him. Yeah. He, he was trying to make this connection, and he, want, he, know, he knows how deeply she loves him and how deeply yeah. she misses him. And, and yet at the same time, she could not wrap her head around the fact that this was something that is real. Now, I've been doing this work with people with mediums and stuff for 20 years, I've seen far, far too many uh, instances of, of people crying of people, you know, nobody else knew this. How could you know this or whatever this is and to, to not believe it anymore. But in my family, they think I'm excuse the expression. If you have children in the room, please leave. And we'll be back shortly. They think I'm fucking nuts. That's what, that's yeah. what it comes down to. And, and so, you know, how do you convince people that we're not? 
you can't you cannot convince somebody all you can do is is in a way and the universe will do this for us it's kind of like planting a seed you have to have somebody who plants a seed then someone who comes up later and tills the dirt, you know, to let the seed kind of grow. Somebody has to come, another person maybe come up and water the plant, water the yeah. seed to make it grow. You know, there and it'll take a team to sometimes awaken, and that's the word I'm going to choose, is awaken. Awaken somebody to another belief system. Like I've said before, sometimes... It's kind of like our computer. We have to update our computers. Sometimes we have to update our belief system. Not everybody's willing to update their computers, their belief systems to go into this next world that we're moving into, which is called spirituality. And some people believe that religion is spirituality. Well, in my understanding, religion is the base of what spirituality can be, but spirituality is the 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 breath in, the breath out. It's the wave that decides to come in, come out. You know, spirituality is the movement with life. It's that, how are you going to walk and talk even though you're troubled and, 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 and things are coming up and many belief systems in my observation, I'm trying not to be judgmental here, but you know, many of their belief systems, you know, they're great on the walk to walk, but really when they get into troubles, can they really have that same belief system? You know, it is challenging and death is, whew, my love goes out to everyone who goes through it because it is the most challenging place that, that comes out. And I've seen so many, the worst comes out in people through the death process, you know, because they're, they're either pushed past their belief system, they're pushed past their, their want to go into emotions, they're, pa they're pushed past their reality realities, you know, it, they're just pushed past what they can even manage. And um, that's why grief is sometimes the most eye-awakening moment of someone's life, you know, because you can walk through a door and you're not going to be the same person, i.e. me. If I could recommend a book for everybody, uh, um, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross wrote a book called The Five Stages of Grief. Yeah, uh, I read that a long time ago. Yeah, read, read that book because my brother is just going through. He is now in the fifth stage, which is uh, resignation. Resignation, yeah. His yeah. understanding of what's going to happen and, and stuff because he didn't believe it. But I can tell you this, from the work that you do, uh, Regan and, and, and Natasha, it was so, I had the opportunity to talk to him today. He called what a up, blessing. And it really was. And he called up to say that the, he thought that, that uh, he was, that today was his last day on earth. And I had the opportunity because of the work that I've done in conjunction with the, the work that you've done, Regan and, and Natasha, I was able to paint a picture for him that was completely different than what he what had observed or what he thought of. He was thinking of it as dark, negative, oh. I'm dying rather mm -hmm. than I, so I said, no, Randy, this is your birthday. And, and that made him smile. He couldn't really talk, but that made him smile because I, I could go into in some detail because of the work that you guys have done of how, of what he can expect, who's going to be there to greet him. He gets yeah. to see all the people that love him to death. There's going to be a great big party. 
and they're they're going it, to. It, it's something that can be very very positive, and it's because of that work rather than because I'm here to tell you the religious point of view mostly it's like you're going to go up into heaven, okay? Yeah. Only if you're good enough. Or now, the other place, yeah. And and who in our right minds believe we're good enough? You know, that is something that's almost, I'm going to call it beaten out of us. Some people literally to not believe that they're good enough. And so with that, you know, like I grew up in religion that said, you know, you're a sinner, you know, pray for your sins on Sunday. And I'm like, going, I don't talk to anybody. I'm an only child. I try to do better by my parents and I'm a sinner. <laughs> well, you know, it's just, just as, as an aside, uh, one time uh, when I was a restaurant manager, where our restaurant got robbed, and the district manager said, "Well, let's do um, some uh, um, uh, lie detector tests." So they had the entire management team do lie detector tests, and one of the qu first questions they asked was, "Have you ever stolen anything?" <laughs> and, and it's like it's like, huh, huh, um, and and at the end of this um, session. I said, well, you know, the first question you asked was, have we stolen anything? And he said, oh, don't worry about that. That's a control question. I said, what do you mean? He said, I ask everybody that because nobody can answer that truthfully. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. Good point. Good point. <laughs> you know, so when you were a kid, did you steal a pencil? Did, did you take five bucks from your dad when you needed, you know, whatever it was? But, but so, so anyway, so. I, I'm just, it was so frustrating for me because I know what you guys know, that what happens to us on the other side is nothing less than pure bliss and love. And it's the brightest, it's, it's, it's the most wonderful experience we'll have. Regan, is that correct? Yeah, I, I think at least anybody I've seen that does the kind of work that Natasha and I are doing, uh, it's all, it's, that's all they say. It's just nothing but love and light, you know? Um, I had a, a few people I think I've seen on the YouTube people that had a near-death experience and they say they experienced hell, you know, and then they came back. And, um, you know, I, all I can say is the people that we've had that begin to think that when they're in a controlled environment, we have them, we don't have them panic and come back on their body after they think they saw the devil. We have them stay there and find out what, what's really going on. And it's, never what they it's just ends up being the uh, what they've been programmed to think that they're going to see and it takes a bit to dissolve that illusion <clears throat> until they really look around they go wow there's no devil here whoa you know um again it's this it's this you know i get i kept trying to think back i've always been kind of open like i said because of what happened to me when i was a kid you know where i'd be out of my body floating around the house when i was a little kid so um, a lot of that didn't have to convince me over because I experienced it. <laughs> the only thing sometimes is like for me when reincarnation really became real, it's like my mind, my intellectual mind, I understood it and I kind of believed it because enough people or friends that I knew who I trusted wouldn't lie to me had that experience. So I figured, well, I just haven't had the experience yet, but it's probably real. Um, <clears throat> but when I had my first um experience of, of a past life and how it came to me. Um, I don't know, there was just a point where I never had had this feeling before, but it's just like, I just knew, I just knew that I knew. I knew that I didn't imagine it, you know? And just like my experience went beyond 
what normal imagination or something would be. And then from then it was like, okay, I'm in, I'm in, you know, I'm in the club now, you know, but like the UFO thing, you know, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's tipped now where there's more people that believe in them that don't, but it, you know, it's grown each year by, because more information comes out. So like Natasha was saying, you know, one person waters the plants and one person puts the sunlight on them and, and eventually they, uh, they learn. I remember I was in a, in a Christian church one day and, and the pastor up there was talking about uh, a person in the, in the uh, congregation that had shared uh, Jesus with someone like at a lunch counter or something, and then found out later that that person the next week became a Christian, you know, and he was saying, don't let your ego go running away there. He says, you, you know, there's a lot of people came before you uh, that, that, uh, that happened and you just happened to be the last thing that happened before they became Christian, you know. He said, don't get all inflated like you're some, you know, and he put it in perspective, you know, that, okay. that we, we all work. So, um, so I, I, oh, go yeah, ahead. Go ahead. I, I'm just having to work at just having to, the people that don't want to believe it, just not letting it bother me, you know. I mean, people on both sides of the Trump uh, uh, Biden debate now, whatever side you're on, they don't understand why everybody's seeing their viewpoint and you know whatever side you're on you think you have all the information that makes you correct and the way you're thinking correct so well, what do you do I you just gotta... i got all the information i'm correct yeah yeah <laughs> natasha i wanted to ask you natasha natasha I wanted... you're okay <laughs> i wanted to ask you and you have my permission to talk to my father and to see if he was frustrated by my sister's response what's oh, your father's man. name uh, Jack. <laughs> He's actually laughing. Um, it took him a minute to, you know, to kind of come down, uh, to come with me. Uh, he's, uh, he's actually been listening to it. He's actually grateful that you have the perception that you do. Uh, cause he says, my family, you know, it's like I was with them. They, we didn't know. <laughs> he he's saying that, um, and he, and he, then he then he he's really coming down, and he's getting really quiet, and he says, "I'll take care of your brother." I'll he he might be him. the first person he sees when he gets to the yeah. other side. He says, I'll, I'll take, and, and in that humbleness, I'll, I'll take care of him. He's in good hands. Because um, your dad believed a lot the same way that your mom and, and your sister and brother do, right? He wasn't as rigid, but yet he did believe. He was very quiet about, about all things other than work. Um, he was, he was that kind of a guy, but, uh, yeah, no, he, but he did believe, but yet he didn't apply it as thickly as the rest of the family, right? He was a recovering Catholic. <laughs> so he had a different perspective. Yeah, and he, he just says that, that um, it's nothing like what um, they, they think it's going to be because this isn't about humanness. He's saying this is about the spirituality. And um, so just to let people know that when I'm getting messages, what I'm doing is, is that he's telling me in his words, I'm trying to give as clear a message as what he's telling me. And I'm also seeing um, kind of a movie going on about how it's like people, you know, it's like 
the image I'm almost getting is like people who who uh, who ha live in like a house that's full of rats and stuff, and then they walk into a house that's pristine and a millionaire's house, and they're just kind of like this. Oh man, it's almost that dumbfoundedness. That's kind of he says that that's why some of the people come in is they're kind of that dumbfoundedness right away because they're still so physically human. Um, yeah, your and your dad was in, was one of the ones that he knew what he was going to do when he got crossed over. He was more spiritual than he let on to anybody. Um, and so when I'm saying spiritual compared to religion is is that you know like my dad was very spiritual. He walked in this world. He knew how to walk out of this world. He understood kind of what he was walking into. And your dad had that understanding. He didn't fit in a box, and so he knew how to fit into that non box. <laughs> Well, you know, it's interesting because uh, as um, um, Michael Newton uh, talked about a great deal, and Regan, chip in here whenever you want to, but okay. it's it's like uh, um, the spirit or the individual that is here in human form, the spirit is not necessary. Or the um, the experience of the of the soul can be much more in depth on the other side than what they displayed here because it depends upon the amount of energy they brought with them, what their mm -hmm. intent was. There's a whole series of things that make it different. So my dad may have not appeared to be spiritual here, but that has no basis. He was quiet about it. He sat, when he sat in that chair, he was doing a lot of pondering that he didn't let anybody else know he was doing. He he did indeed. Is that is that kind of your understanding of uh, how the souls work over there, Regan? Yeah, and the research again. We get down to research here with the uh, the uh, approximately fifty thousand people have gone through the life between lives process. Um, that's one of the questions we ask them in our research. At some point during their session, when they're in the soul state or they're in heaven, and then we'll say, uh, "How much of your soul energy did you put into this to this body?" And usually immediately they'll just, they'll answer without a second thought. They're like, oh, 60%, you know, seems like the average is about 60%, mm -hmm. maybe 65, you know. And um, this is the, this is what I think in all this research is the coolest thing is realizing because we're energy, you can uh, compartmentalize your energy. You know, it's not, it's not all or nothing. In other words, so mm -hmm. uh, it, that means if, uh, you know, if you put 60% in your human body that, 40% of you, a great deal of you still up there doing what you do in heaven, you know? Um, and so um, the, uh, the more than visiting people who have died, which in this uh, life between life experience, you can visit p parents that passed on, people that, that you love. Um, but more importantly, you can talk to people who are still alive in your life now and talk to their higher selves. Mm -hmm. So if you have a like a boss that's uh, that's uh, you hate <laughs> or just giving you a bad time, you can you can call him now if they're willing to show up. And I would say more times than not, whoever they're having issues with or their parents will. If we ask, are they there? Would they like? Can we talk to them? And they'll appear, you know. And um, and they can have the coolest conversations with them uh, mm -hmm. coming from soul to soul rather than from personality to personality. So, uh, so much, I think I mentioned before, Kevin, when you and I were talking in an earlier show, I don't think it was when the Tosh was here, 
but it was about, uh, for people maybe listening the first time, it's a short story, but just a nurse that I had that um, three doctors she worked with and one of them was extremely abusive to her all the time for no apparent reason. But it made, he was so abusive to her emotionally and verbally that she would have panic attacks before she'd go in, in her car. She'd start crying, but she'd have to go into work. She was like shaking all day. I mean, it was, he just messed her up. So she's on the other side and she's before the council, which people do life between life. They can have a life review like we talked about last week. And we asked the council, we just said, why? She says, why is she having such a hard time with this doctor? And this one of the council members just said, you were very cruel to him in another lifetime. And uh, uh, the, the part that I always remember is the grimace on her face, watching her on the couch as she went, oh, I didn't want to hear that, you know. <laughs> And, uh, but anyway, within a few months of that, um, that issue cleared up. She, she didn't do anything. She didn't have a talk with him, but that awareness of that, it, it just made it, it just went away. You know, she says, I, she says, that really made me a believer that what I, what I saw and what I did there was real because, and, and how grateful she was even just for that one thing. But the other thing she got, I'm just remembering now too, is she had this deep sadness that she was all alone because she has, uh, just has her apartment. She's a nurse there, lives alone, doesn't have a significant other. Her best friend of like 30 years had for no reason just stopped communicating with her. She had no relatives, uh, just herself, and she just felt so alone. And they really emphasized up there saying, sweetheart, you're never alone. You know, we're up here watching you, you know. And that gave her some some peace that, wow, you know, this, this isn't so bad, you know, being alone. So no, because you're 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 never alone. See, and this is the one that, again, <laughs> the thing the thing that I'm that I've discovered is that if you take keep, keep an open mind and you talk to somebody like Natasha, and you talk to somebody like you, and you can you can get a better understanding of how, and then really we, we're not going to know how everything works until we get there, and then we're not going to know everything. Right. Uh, but there is a difference between keeping an open mind and listening to someone like you guys that have done many, many sessions with people have been through it and understand, have a much deeper understanding. Cause it's like, you know, how cold and how dark can it seem if you don't have a, a good understanding about, about how beautiful it is on the other side and it's just love and that everybody cares for you and that there's a party over there and, and that you're and that it's, it's, it's just remarkable um, over there. But hey, Natasha, do you get a, a lot of folks that come to you that, that want a reading, but don't know and aren't sure about what's happening and, and that they're scared about, you know, because being scared of death is the scariest thing imaginable. I cannot imagine it. It's the final thing of this, of this life. It is the most, I mean, it's the only absolute in this life is us physically in this physical being. The next time I'm going to be coming down and being in another physical body, it's not going to be this physical body. It may have similarities, but it won't be, you know? And so it's the most, it's the most final thing. And people, you know, sometimes there's innocence in not knowing or not wanting to know. You know, living in the 3D world is pretty sometimes pretty just, you know, people just kind of go to work and they come home and they read their book and then they go to bed. You know, 
it's like it's okay sometimes to be just somebody who doesn't want to know but what i find is is that the people who are just awakening that that's the most troublesome spot to be because it's like you're not sure about what things are you haven't gotten labels yet you're breaking out of what you've been taught what you've heard what you've seen to what you haven't seen what you kind of know what there might be truth of <laughs> you know there's a and people do not trust that is the most equivocal thing about the difference between somebody who who is like uh, is that true? Or me saying, yeah, that was your dad. Yeah. Oh, and by your dad, by, and your dad wants to add on, he's not leaving until I say he's sure grateful that he was your father and he loves you so much. He loves your, your sister so much. It's like, there's no one better. Each of you were special into him in his own way. And so he just wanted me to really make sure that you know that, that it's okay that you're the oddball. Heck, I was too, he says. So, <laughs> yeah. But he, 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 he's, he has, that's one thing that, that he had no lack of was love. And, and that was part of his spirit, was that love. Indeed. Regan. Okay, yeah. now he can go. <laughs> Well, you know, he, he was, he was a man of his time and in, in a man of your time when you're born in 1930 or 1928 yeah. is when he was born. You can't be who you want to be. You can't be, it, men weren't supposed to be their spiritual selves. Oh, that was unheard of. You didn't do yeah. that. And you stuck your nose to the grindstone and you worked and, and the mm -hmm. women took care of the kids and, and they were home and you were at work and all that kind of stuff. So it was a different time and, and, and guys lived a little bit differently then. Yes. Um, and cause they, cause they had to be now, now Regan, have you ever had um, a client come to you who cross referenced the information that they got through hypnosis with you through a, uh, uh, um, a medium or somebody who could verify the information? Well, I've had a few clients that had been to mediums like Natasha and that and had really good experiences. And they talked about how, how right on they were about so many things in their life. Um, but, you know, Natasha will probably be the first one to tell you too, that everything she sees, she's still filtering through her her herself and, and her life experience so what she sees and everything can you know can be in the in the ballpark of being really really close but it doesn't mean that it's 100 percent because she's a filter already and you lose every time you filter something you lose a little bit you know uh but um that's why i think with when, when people go to mediums things like that you have to go with the the uh well what i'm thinking of is uh i, I was reading something yesterday about sylvia brown and that one one case that she got wrong, you know, where she told the people that that the the girl, their daughter, they've been kidnapped, was dead, and then a few years later, the daughter showed up alive, and so they put that back on her as like, you know, well, you know, as good as you can get, it's still, you know, it's still hard to get it, you know, hundred percent. So you know, you have to go, um, you know, you have to take all take that into consideration too, and I always have to take consideration. <laughs> Can I, can I make a disclosure right sure. where you're at, though, that in a way, the daughter probably did die, maybe not physically, but a part of her that she was died. 
Yeah. And so Sylvia might not have been wrong in her saying that she died, but the perception of it being physical or in metaphorical spirituality, um, personality wise, you know what yeah. I mean? So there's a difference in, and it's that thin line between labels. Like I always felt like my husband was going to drive home drunk and, uh, and not come home. And every time he would come home in the driveway and I'm like, like, okay, here we go again, you know, because I thought he was going to be not here anymore. And yet every time he came home, there was a part of him that was a little bit less drunk and a little bit more walking towards the path of sobriety. Yeah. And I didn't realize it then, but I could see the layers of the steps getting there. Sorry for interrupting you, but I wanted to make no, that. No, that's good. That minute, that's so. good. Well, yeah, that's, that's really true. Sometimes I, I liken it to, uh, you know, people having dreams where they get murdered or something, you know, or they die in their dreams. So they wake up thinking that, oh, my God, I'm going to die when when on a higher level. What happened was it that a, a, an old self was dying and a new <laughs> self was being born, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, like um, I think an entry level for some people to just kind of open themselves up if they there's something inside a lot of people that just know that something to what we do is really real, but they don't. They just quite aren't there where they can believe it yet. Well, I tell people, well, just start start keeping a dream diary. Now that you've started asking some questions, um, one of the easiest ways and like an entry level way of uh, the people on the other side working with you is through dreams. And then, of course, you have the dreams and you have the symbology and you have a lot of things that you have to study to kind of, you know, sometimes you could take your dream literally. And sometimes it's it's metaphors for things, you know, that are showing you things so in, in itself that's a whole thing but at least they can start seeing that something's happening you know and dreams are very in, intriguing now <laughs> natasha i just had a curiosity because i've had this more and more lately since i've been doing this podcast and i've been working with people like you and and regan yourself and and um, uh, michelle blood and and uh, coriel and and a bunch of other folks one of the things that i've discovered and regan now you you when you were little you had uh, uh outside the body experiences yeah but lately i've been noticing that i will be like sleeping and i'll reach for something and it's not there it looks oh. like it's there but it's not there what the hell's going on you, 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 for, you forgot you had your glasses off or something. I don't know. <laughs> you go to sleep. Well, well yeah. So, you, you, Natasha, you probably could answer that better than I. So, with that, the, what I'm kind of getting metaphorically is what are, you, um, what are you reaching for that you know that you can do, but there's a part of you that says you can't? So, an example... <laughs> of like me mentioning something like doing the YouTube live and, and da, 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 and you're saying, yeah, can it be done? And then reality says it can be done. So that dream is kind of working. The subconscious is working through some of that angst and you that prove me wrong. That's how that's, going. <laughs> no. that's the whole reason that's going on. No, no, no. I just have an image. <laughs> I, have, I have a picture and it's driving. It's like a ball rolling down a hill. Okay, so going going back to you, though, that, that that's part of your subconscious is working through what are, what am I asked to do and what can I feel like I can't do? It's that kind of that, that questioning and processing through that. 
because you're doing a lot of things that you haven't never done before and and you're being successful but there's a part of you that's not caught up with that yet there's a whole bunch of you that's not caught up to me yet so <laughs> now regan before before we go today i wanted to talk to you and ask you about um something that we haven't touched on yet in in our life between lives and that is okay We've gone up there, we've had our life review, we've gone in front of the council, we've gone to the library, and we've looked at what we did and what we have wanted to do, and then we sit down and we decide on a list of things that we would like to continue to work on, whether it be love or, or, or anger or fear or whatever it is. And so then we start developing a plan that we're going to come back to and execute that plan. Can you kind of take us through a little bit of that, of how we kind of put that together as far as the planning stages go for us to come back and do it again? Sure. Um, this is a, a, what we call a station. And we have like a number of different stations that we've discovered in, in, in our research, you know, with having people in this uh, hypnotic state where they uh, go to heaven. And of course they get the, you know, the life review, they get to see uh, uh, at their, their soul group, you know, the people that are their players in their life, you know, their their group. And a lot of them go to the library, as you mentioned, and they can, you know, if they want, they can uh, get more history on, on their past lives and things. But um, after, and it's different with everybody, you know, everybody has different plans, like everybody uh, here, you know, not everybody decided to go to college. Some went to college, some went to you know, went to grad school and some, you know, uh, some people didn't even go to school, you know. Uh, so on the other side, they have a lot of, um, every soul is different depending on what their plan is. Uh, so the ones that decide that they want to work on things and that they want to come to earth or to, you know, another place uh, where they can learn when there's many of those different dimensions, different planets and things, they decide where they want to go. They this is kind of a, in a nutshell, then they kind of decide, okay, the things I want to learn now, I've got to get some players here. So they'll decide with other souls who can help, you know, come down and play the roles, the antagonists, you know, that they can come down to help them learn what they need to learn. Um, and then there's an actual place that they've described and many people describe it. Very, it's like, it's very, very similar for a lot of people. Uh, picture and the way I've read and the way it's been described to me and my clients is it's like a, I think like a screening room, you know, like you're in a, say a rich ho person's home where they have an indoor theater, you know, and a lot of times there's different teachers around, uh, especially your, your own guide or your own, um, you know, the, the, the person that's assigned to you that's just trying to help you around. And then the, the beings at this place that you go to uh, realize that what your goals and everything are. So now they say, okay, we're going to show you some different scenarios. So people describe it sometimes as like sitting in a theater and there'll be like a, a scene of something coming up of a, a you know, a, a particular person in a particular place. Uh, and they, they can kind of go with their intuition and thinking, yeah, that looks good. And they can actually even try it out where because there's no time and space and everything there and everything's already happened. This is the thing that's hard to get your eye about, but I say, we're just doing research and person after person described it this way. Um, and the one I'm thinking of is the case where um, a guy thought, oh, New York City, that's the place that'd be great because I want to be a writer and I'm just going to be writing the action right in the middle of things. And um, 
And okay, got that. And then he had to figure, is he going to be male or female? You know, is he going to be uh, good looking or bad looking? Uh, is he going to have any deformities? Uh, this sort of thing. And once they get all that done, he, he actually sees in the future of this man walking down in New York. And the uh, teacher says, well, you know, let him try it out. So momentarily, he's in that body in New York, walking down the street and getting a feel for the whole thing, you know, then he comes back and he goes, yeah, that's me. That's, that's what I can do. And then there's still some things I don't get about that, but that's what people do. You know, like they get a, in a sense, kind of try out different things or, or, um, you know, see uh, movies or something of, of possible. And every, Natasha Bob say this too, that there's, there's, um, uh, millions of possibilities, you know, and it all depends on the choices that you make, you know, on which, on which way you go and which way you decide to go. So then from there, when they pick, especially for the important people in their life, a lot of them go to like a class. They talk about it in like a, a temple or something. And they work with the, their different actors that are going to be in their life. And they say, okay, now because the wall is going to go up once you're born and you're going to fit, forget all this stuff, um, we're going to put in this deep in the subconscious, we're deep, deep in your soul here of uh, how we're going to meet. And so um, I remember, I think I mentioned before, I just the one that sticks out in my mind was uh, this woman that was going to be the wife of this man, who was going to be a man, said, okay, um, here's the scenario. I'm going to be at this dance. It's like a UFO or UFO, <laughs> USO, ar the, the one that the, <laughs> the army wives go to, you know, what is that called? The USO? Uh... I think something like that's be a dance. <laughs> it's where they have the soldiers there and then the women come to go dancing and stuff you know right somebody and, in. yeah she was going to be on the other side of the room she says i'm going to have this particular dress on and when i when i throw this step over my shoulder across the room you're going to see that and that's going to trigger you wanting to come over and talk to me and then when they talk to them in their life that's exactly how he met her you know because sometimes even with all the good plans and everything like this because when you come down to earth and that wall goes up it all doesn't go exactly as planned um people get uh side sidetracked and things and it's some people, people. <laughs> you'll, yeah you'll walk right by someone that you were supposed to meet and not even see them and they get the other side and they go crap oh. mm -hmm. yeah you know well now, so it's interesting that, that you say that regan because have you ever had and this is for both of you uh, Natasha first, has there any been a, been a time in your life when everything just particularly lined up and then after the fact, and we may be talking years after the fact, it dawned on you how everything lined up in a perfect way to achieve the result that you were looking for? Has that ever happened to you? Yes. Yes. Um, and I would consider it the time that my mom had Lou Gehrig's disease and my dad, uh, and my dad passed away three years before that, that no matter how troublesome that time was, you know, selling the houses and, and, you know, cause I had to sell my mom's house of 30 years and then, you know, another rental house. And then I had to sell my house that I had to buy the house that I'm in now. This actually the room that my mom was in when she was sick and I made it into my spiritual room. Well, and then my husband changed jobs that year, but there is always the right person to come and take care of my mom. 
Mm. No matter how drunk my husband was, for some reason, he magically was sober enough to pick her up because she couldn't move, pick her up and gently put her on bed. I couldn't take her to the bathroom. My husband wonderfully was able to do that gracefully. I mean, there was just things that just lined up. There's this one woman that she was my angel. She was the caregiver through pretty much my mom's whole journey. She was a caregiver. She was my angel. I looked at her a couple of years later and it was like, she wasn't the same woman, you know, because at that time she was meant to be the angel that came into our lives. And it was just, everything just lined up just like the house I live in. I've always wanted a, a farmhouse style with a detached garage. My husband wanted to shop. So I got a farmhouse style with a detached garage. My husband has a shop. My childhood dream was I had a, a horse weather vane. Guess what I have on top of my garage? A cow? A horse weather vane. Oh, 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 okay. I think my dad helped me get my house. Um, <laughs> of that, I have no doubt. Uh, yeah. So with that, the, the, you know, even though, and that's the thing is, is that I always tell people, it's not about what is happening in your life. Look at the small things that are going on because you never know when someone can come in your life. Like this one woman who came into my life at the same time, because she knew she can be my mom's aide. When I just, I couldn't, I, I couldn't, I'm not a caregiver. I, I, I took care of the deeds. I care, took care of the house sellings. I took care of the kids. I took care of life. I couldn't take care of my mom. <laughs> you know, I loved her. I fed her. I did it. I did things. I made sure she was comfortable. I did all the, the loving things I could do. I just could not feed her, take her potty, move her from bed. You know, just those physical things. I needed somebody else to do it. I'm glad she was there for you. Regan, yeah. how about you? Yeah, I've had, well, it's funny, this too, it's, it's kind of cool that in our conversations here and how we can just, we'll talk about things and we'll branch off to things we didn't even know we we're going to talk about, but we'll bring up things. <laughs> a story of my uh, life. Mother. Last year, I had a woman come to me uh, because um, she was caretaking for her mother and it was just overwhelming. Uh, it was so hard, because, and especially because her mother was a very difficult person. And now her mother was in a state of uh, Alzheimer's at a certain stage. And so when um, she went really deep, really quick, uh, we got her to, you know, through a past life and she went to uh, heaven and she asked to speak to her mom and her mom comes out just all perfect. And uh, she, she says, oh my God, my mom, <laughs> my mom is my mom, you know, she had recognizes me and everything. So she asked, she says, well, mom, you know, I might ask how much longer you're going to be here, you know, because she's thinking, oh, my God, I, this may sound awful, but it's so hard for me. And the mom says, I'm not going for a while yet. And says, why? She says, because I'm, I'm teaching you patience, daughter, you know. <laughs> and so it, it really, really took, it took the um, negativity out of all this out when, when we had to talk after her session. And she was saying, you know, I really needed my mom to say that. And I realized she's going to be here for a while. And boy, is she teaching me patience. But now that she knows that, it's a different ball game. Knowing that that's the reason that her mom is there and that she still needs to learn. She has to stop bitching about being a victim. You know, mm -hmm. actually, she's, a, she's, she's the opposite of that. You know, she's lucky to have a mom that's 
willing to stick around a little longer when the mom could be up in heaven, you know, playing bridge or something, you know, <laughs> instead of being here with her stubborn daughter, you know, she's trying to teach. So no, no, go ahead. Yeah. So this, you know, what Natasha does and what I do, it, it just helps people get a little bit bigger picture. Mm -hmm. And the bigger picture we get, the more life is becomes awesome and wonderful. And just the fact of stop pretending that we're a victim, that everything's happened to us and poor, poor me, you get out of that and that everything becomes, you could be in the middle of a tornado in a sense and, and everything is, is awesome. You know, that's what a, a master once uh, said. Uh, he said, you'll know when you're progressing spiritually, when, when things are happening in your life and you can be loving and kind and calm in the midst of the, in the midst of the turmoil. You know. there, yeah, there's a saying, you know, life isn't th doing things to me, it's doing things for me. Right. And, and that's why I'm always here. It's like, what is this here to teach me? And as soon as I do that, that perspective, what is this here to teach me? And I even did that through the journey of my mother, you know, what is this here to teach me? Well, it was teaching me how it, it almost taught me that I am a giver of care, not a caregiver. You well, know, think, think of what your mother left for you, too, yeah. and what mm -hmm. her, your mom and your dad, the wonderful things they did with the houses and stuff and you could move into that. That, that was a wonderful gift. I actually, oh, I'm grateful that that whole journey I have gratitude for because it it made me who I am today and I wouldn't change who I am today. And I, my kid who even you know had an alcoholic dad says the same thing. You know, she says, you know, my dad made me me and I kind of like me. Yeah, that's, that's cool. I actually have an angel story. Would you like to hear it? Yeah. Uh, when I was uh, in uh, in my early 20s, I was working at the Doubletree Plaza Hotel at South Center, and I became a captain. Now, we got to wear tuxedos and made table-side table Caesar salads and open bottles of wine. And there was another guy there who's also a captain. His name was Corey, and we became very good friends. Uh, this happened like in the spring and uh, we through the summer we we just were virt virtually inseparable we worked together we hung out together uh we went to his family's pool and and hung out and one day in the in august he said to me you know i think that i want to go to school in the fall i said okay and he said but i need somebody to do it with me would you do it with me please and I, I said, well, what do you want to take? And he said, auto body. And I said, ha, ha, if you knew me, you would know that auto body would not be a subject that I would be interested in messing around with. And, but uh, he was a nice guy and he was a friend. And so I said, well, all right, I'll go with you. And so we went up to Green River Community College and we stood in line for, we were standing there for probably an hour. And they, they had the, in the gymnasium there, they had tables set up for the different uh, uh, majors that you could go and uh, they, you could go sit down and talk to these folks about, about signing up for their classes. And we get, I swear, we were three people from the front and he looks at me and he says, nah, I don't, I don't think I want to go. I said, what? We've been standing here an hour and he said, nah, I, I, I changed my mind. I don't want to go to school this fall. So he walks away. And so his, his father happened to be a professor there. So he goes to his professors and I said, well, I'm going to hang out here just to see what happens. And uh, in the front row in the, of one of the tables was uh, um, a table for uh, theater arts for the mm -hmm. drama classes. 
And I'd always wanted to do that. Oh. I loved doing it, and it was like improvisational theater, and and then theater extemporaire, which is where they had the uh, um, the uh, major productions. And so I said, well, I think you know I'll, I'll go talk to the. And so I know you. This is hard to believe, but when I get to the front of the table, there's nobody sitting in, in front of the line. There's nobody sitting at this table, and of course not. And so I go up and I sit down and talk to him. I signed up for the both of the theater classes. I end up being in all three of the productions that year. I met my wife who uh. Uh, and, and had the two children that were there. It completely changed. It was like my wife, my life was a why. And I had a choice and it completely changed my life from going from one direction to the next which uh, dictated it for the next 25 years. And that's all. Be and, and, oh, by the way, this kid, the, his name was Corey. Um, three weeks later, he goes to take a job at another restaurant. I haven't seen him since. Wow. <laughs> 35 years ago. And I haven't seen him since. <clears throat> yeah. Wow. You that's know, and that's the thing is, is that I love being somebody else's synchronicity. You know, it's kind of that moment when, you know, you're pulling out of a parking spot and then somebody else pulls in right before, you know, right after you. You know, it's that it's that somebody else's synchronicity. And you know that you're in the timing of life when you just move with life. And and, you know, we get to the greater places that we're going, you know, because of that. I've had the same scenario of. Like even the the secretaries at school saying, would you um, get paid for what you do? Because I was volunteering almost the whole day of school. And now I'm working at school. And today I had, you know, um, somebody in tears because I actually heard her care about her daughter who was thinking a lot like I did. You know, she thinks her, her daughter has dyslexia. And, and I was the first person that actually said, your daughter's going to be okay. That's... That's awesome. You know, okay. and you just never know when you can be somebody else's synchronicity. And that's where when we walk with care, we walk with um, the intention of just being the better we can be. You know, like I was kind of grumpy this weekend. So I just didn't talk. I didn't take it out on anybody else. I sat there quietly. You know, <laughs> Kevin and I even talked a little bit and I was pretty good with you, wasn't I? No, nah, you were grumpier than hell. <laughs> yeah, that's good that's that's a great awareness i i, I teach uh, anger management is one of the things that i teach clients so they come to me for that because i've been there done that mm -hmm. uh, and um i'm pretty good at it uh and it one of the main things that they want that they i teach them to become aware of is you know through the techniques i use i slow down the process before they blow and they actually realize that they're deciding it didn't when, like someone pushed their button. It's like they get to the point where they realize they decided to do some sort of violence, you know, uh, instead they can't blame it on, well, she just pushed my button, you know, and, um, uh, and um, when they slow that process down, you know, they realize, wow, you know, it, it gives them more responsibility. Yeah, I decided to do this awful thing or, or not, you know, so... I was trying to think what I, I started on another thing and I got off on that and it had something to do with what, what Ashley was saying. And, I well, and, and it's, uh, it's always, it's interesting when you uh, think back and look back at the, the turns your life has taken 
that at the time seemed random and uh, not not uh, any kind of a plan. But when you look back on it, how how much your life is planned if you let it, and that's and that's the key. Yeah, I wanted to, you know, to, and and because we're getting towards the end of the show, I wanted to mention now that you mentioned that that I have a good. Um, a good way to have people look at things that helps me a lot too. And that's if, let's say you, you know, you're going, you're flying somewhere and you're, you're uh, in between flight, you're in Denver. So you go to Denver and all of a sudden the, the next flight is canceled or something happens and you've got to spend five or six hours at the airport and be late at your thing or anything. And I tell people if if what happened was completely beyond your control, it wasn't because you were late because you didn't get up earlier or something, but it's beyond your control, then you, you have to just start realizing you're right where you're supposed to be, you know, and that you miss that plane for a reason. And that because it's going to change the course of the rest of your day and what happens to you when you get to where you're going. And so if you don't, you know, you didn't cause any of it's beyond your control. You have to just say, and just let it go. Oh, you know? well. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, you know, look at people, they'll spend the rest of that five hours cussing and blah, 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 and, and, and getting their blood pressure high and all that. And you realize it's beyond your control. So, you know, the, the, it's like the, the uh, what the serenity prayer or something in AA, you know, to, to just give up things that you have no control over. Mm -hmm. Surrender to it. Now, this will twist your noodle for you. Okay. Is it beyond your control or is it? Oh, yeah. That's the, the yeah, it's like, like, is there, is there something in our higher selves that caused that plane to be late? Because something in our higher selves knows where we need to be. And the only way it can be there is by missing this plane, you know. Yeah. yeah, and that's that's the thing about you know working on this whole thing. It's about trusting. Yeah, that's a good one, Ken. You know that it's not about you know we're human making decisions in it, but then there's sometimes where we have to just say, you know, my car didn't start today. Oh well, you know, I was supposed to do something else. You know, you you have to trust that there's something greater going on. And, you know, it's kind of that whole process of, you know, I, I was, you know, I was in a session with someone and, and I kind of, and, you know, the information came to me that, you know, we actually have 3% control over what we're doing. <laughs> and now the universe is trusting us with 5%. But what are we going to do with that 5%? Are we going to waste it? on shoulda, coulda, wouldas, or saying, oh, I have the opportunity. Yeah. What is my opportunity here? And it's just shifting it, you know, the glass isn't half full or half empty, but what are you gonna do with the half full, half empty glass? <laughs> you know, and it, it's just amazing how much happier I've watched my husband be when he's come into that perspective. You know, how much happier I've been since I really walked into it, you know, that I've held it in my hand and walked with it, you know? Mm. Oh, well, I'm here. What am I supposed to do with it? I would like everyone to take this lesson. And that lesson is this. If you are in your car and you are driving and you are late and you're upset because you're late and suddenly you start hitting every friggin' red light there is <laughs> between here and where you're going, I want you to stop and laugh and go, okay, I get it. I get it. You're teaching me a little bit of patience in a real easy, nice way that I shouldn't let shit like that bother me because there's nothing I can do about it anyway. 
or you find out where you were supposed to go, that person was running 10 minutes late anyways. And that, that extra five minutes that you being five minutes, 15 minutes late, gave them the five minutes to get in the door and get ready for you. And hopefully you'll never know that, but you know, but it, it happens to us all the time and we don't sit back and take it as intended uh, mm -hmm. because our higher self has got a plan for us. And I think that they have a tremendous sense of humor too. <laughs> yeah, nah, especially the fairies. The fairies, you know, it's like me stubbing my toe again on the on the ankle that got tweaked over summer. It's like I knew there was a fairy around me teaching me something, and it's like, no, you little sucker. <laughs> oh yeah, it's like when I fell and broke my tore my rotator cuff, had surgery on that, and then fell and tore my uh, tendon on the other side, and uh, and the message I got was, okay, big boy, get up now. Uh, I dare you. And uh, <laughs> so, uh, Regan, it's, we're, we're, we need, and you were right. We're coming to the end of our, our time together today. I have, I really enjoy these, these hours. I hope that we can continue to do Me too. And Me so, too. Regan, I would like you to give us your information and to talk a little bit about yourself and, and uh, your stuff and, and how people can get a hold of you. Were you talking to me? Sorry. Uh, what are you doing? Sleeping? I'm the only one here. <laughs> of course, I'm talking to you. You can see I'm Regan Horston, and I'm a, a, a clinical hypnotherapist, and I um, uh, and I um, certified through the uh, Michael Newton Institute. Um, actually, they're going to read. Mm, I'll say it. Okay, uh, the Newton Institute, and um, <clears throat> there's about 250 of us now uh, in 40 different countries. And we're trained in the process that Michael used to uh, put people easily into a, a deep state of relaxation or trance, as some people call it, or hypnosis. It's just being relaxed. And we've discovered that everybody has this little switch that in a, when you're in a certain level of, uh, of relaxation, um, practically everybody can flip this switch. You can easily go to visit a past life, um, see yourself pass away, turn around, see a guide or someone that's there to take you to where you go between lives. And, um, you know, we have you prepare a questionnaire of questions you want to have answers if you're successful, which most people are. Um, and, you know, we can do like what we've been talking and have the, the full tour of heaven. You know, we can go before the council, get a life review, get some help on answers of any questions that you have, visit people that are in your life uh, and do a lot of other things. And then uh, come back with a whole new perspective and realize that you're an immortal soul. Realize that there's always people, there's always uh, 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 souls on the other side that are there to help you. And that you have a mission and a plan. And maybe you weren't quite aware of it, but you become more aware of it so you can get to work and enjoy the rest of your life. So that's, oh, and if you're in anywhere in California, I go to pretty much the whole state. I'm going to LA next week for, matter of fact, I will be doing the show from, friend's house in LA next Monday, I think, uh, or I might be in Bakersfield, but wherever I'm at, even if I'm at a truck stop, I can hook up to their internet and do a Zoom with you, you guys. technology. And then I'm back up here and I go to Sacramento, San Francisco and everywhere in between. So if you're healthy, go to my website, visit theafterlife.com and you can, my number's on there. You can give me a call or email me or something. I can set up uh, the experience for you. Awesome. Thanks. Yes, so, well, I am one that loves to help people go through life. 
So being a medium, I talked to the spirits. I talked to many, like I was just talking to the fairy who made me trip and or me just getting to that next layer of understanding that even when chaos is happening, focus on being where you're at. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and so with that, that it's just, I'm connected and I love to help people work through life to have more grace and ease in their life. So if that means do applying my mediumship, which is talking with the angels, with loved ones, with fairies, star people who you are in need of working with. I love to help people work through their past lives that, you know, like there was a story once where a woman, she says, every time that I hear a certain bell, I go crazy and I go, because you were on a ship that you passed away on. And that bell is that same sound that, that was the ringing of the attack coming onto your ship. And you just go into that fear of I'm going to die. And she goes, Oh, that makes more sense. You know, so there's things that just kind of help people go through what they are going through in life. There is a reason why we're going through something. And sometimes it just takes a perspective to help you see that a little bit clearer. And I love to do that with you. So the way you can get a hold of me is through angelicclarifications.com or my website, which is www.angelicclarifications.com. And thank you both for Thanks, for Jeff. taking the time to be here today. It's it's it really it really is awesome. And I have to say, <clears throat> my cell phone is right here, and uh, my brother or my uh, I've been in, I've left instructions that if my brother were to pass away to give me a call, and that has not happened. I I sense that he's reached his. Like like the five stages of grief, he's he's reached uh, uh, the final stage, which is acceptance, but that doesn't mean that that is the end. Yeah, it can take some time and uh, and stuff. So, um, and plus the fact that he was an alcoholic for a lot of years and he's been sober the last you know seven or eight. Now he's gone unlimited amounts of morphine. So how fun could that be? <laughs> It's it kind of helps the soul get out of the way, you know, and and the body kind of release that last part of of the primalness of saying I can let go now. And that's why, you know, we kind of have that's why I kind of feel like people with Alzheimer's and stuff stick around a little bit longer because the soul's off having fun and the body's just doing the reality. You know, the primal, just breathing, talking, doing what it needs to do. And so there's that disconnect between the soul and the, and the, and the body. And that's why there's such a hard time transitioning out of the physical is because of that too. So your brother will go and he's, I'm, I'm praying that our, your conversation with him will help him have more grace going into that last process. Yeah. So it will. I got a feeling he'll contact you in some way that you'll recognize, if not through you, through somebody else in the family, and he'll he'll know he's okay. Yeah. Oh. Well, well there's a there's a flash of light behind yeah, you about a half an hour ago. Yeah. And so I was wondering if not necessarily if he was passing, but there's some spirit work going on behind him, and they were just communicating that that you're that things are getting closer. They Which know. means that you're not alone either. You're going to have just as much help with the angels and, you know, your guides are going to be around you just as much as they're going to be around him. 
They're going to be just much around the sister, around your mother, you know, to support you through the transition. They're going to go where they need to be and where they can help the most. Uh, There's a lot of them. <laughs> that's, that's also true. But I do expect I do expect to see him, but I think that he needs to see other people that are more fearful of the process uh, mm -hmm. than I am. Because I've I've reached a point where if I I actually said to him today, well, I have to say, he was listening to music. And he, and they they'd sent him like uh um um rock of ages and and you know the, the uh what's the other one uh, amazing grace and stuff he wanted to listen to joe walsh and the eagles and <laughs> hey that's pretty spiritual stuff <laughs> so at the end of it before just before i hung up i said and your bags are packed you're ready to go <laughs> He thought he thought that was pretty funny that John Denver would come to him on on his deathbed and his day. <laughs> oh, I love it. So anyway, so blessings on everybody's journey because life is going to be life, and we're going to just have to sometimes pull up our bootstraps and just say, "Oh well." And I hope everybody stays tuned for next Monday because this is this is starting to be really a lot of fun. I'm I'm I, I hope you guys are having as much fun as I am. Yeah. Me too. I am. Thank you for having this opportunity for us. Yeah. As our synchronicity happened one day too. <laughs> yeah. That's how it, that's how it works with all of us. So so thank you guys. Everybody, you have a wonderful day and take care of yourselves. Be kind to one another. Be kind to each other because each other's all we got, kids. <laughs> hey, and thanks for listening to this episode all the way to the end. Hey, pretty cool. Hey, don't forget to follow us so you can receive regular updates and new posts. And remember, take care of each other because each other's all we've got. See you next time on My Independence Report. Uh-huh.